Welcome to ASHTA Resource Q&A. We're taking time to discuss construction materials testing and inspection with people in the know. From exploring testing problems and solutions to laboratory best practices and quality management, we're covering topics important to you. Now, here's our host, Brian Johnson. Today on ASHTO Resource Q&A, we've got another FAQ episode. This week, we're going to tackle the off-site and multi-site situations that occur at many of the laboratories. And I'm here with my producer, Kim Swanson, who's going to be essentially the host today, asking me questions about this topic. Kim, why don't you lead off with a question? Well, I'm going to say I know nothing about this. So these are actual questions I have. I am not familiar with this at all. So let's just go from the beginning. What is the requirement for multi-site or off-site personnel? And where does that requirement come from? Well, the premise of AASHTO accreditation is that all of the accreditations are site-specific to a laboratory. And there is a requirement for full-time technical direction and essentially all of the personnel there should be full-time if we're going to accredit the laboratory for the work that that personnel performs. So that it's kind of a fundamental requirement of the program that people be associated with the location that is maintaining AASHTO accreditation. Okay, so that, that makes sense because accreditation applies only to the laboratory. We're not certifying technicians or anything like that. So it is laboratory and location specific. So that makes sense. Now, is this a requirement from the ASHTO accreditation program or is it an R18 or what, what? where is that? It's an ASHTO accreditation program requirement. So one of the first things that it gets into is what are the limitations of the accreditation? And that is one of them is that it is site specific and that the technical director needs to be full-time employee of the company. Okay, so does this only apply to then the technical director or does it apply to other personnel? It applies to everybody. The technical director thing is specifically spelled out because that is the one that is most often questioned. You know, usually there's no question about the technicians being in that facility full-time because that's where they work. But sometimes you have situations where a technical director is overseeing multiple locations in a region or a a very small region. When I say region, I don't mean like the entire East Coast or something like that. It's usually a very small region that they're in charge of because they actually have to have a physical presence there. So it would be really unreasonable for someone to have a technical director who is in, let's say, California, but is overseeing operations in New York or North Carolina or something like that, it would be very expensive and probably not real effective to have that person as the on-site full-time technical director of that laboratory location. Does this also apply though to subcontractors or contractors or consultants or anything like that? Or is it just for laboratory personnel? I'm so glad you asked. And I didn't, I, I didn't set you up to that question, but that one comes up all the time. Uh, there, there is confusion about what the accreditation extends to and what the personnel of the laboratory is. Consultants are never part of the laboratory. This has come up a few times, and it's even gone through the appeals process where that requirement has been challenged by a laboratory. We went through the first level appeal. The requirement was upheld not to have a consultant act in that. You know, it had to be a full-time employee of the laboratory. 
And then it went to the second level appeal panel and it was upheld again, the requirement was. So that is a steadfast requirement that consultants and subcontractors cannot factor into the accreditation of the laboratory. We've had other situations where people wanted the capacity of something that the subcontractor is doing to count for them. Maybe if the laboratory can't test certain materials because of limitations of their equipment, can they have the subcontractor do that for a proficiency sample, for example? The answer is absolutely not. We're not accrediting the subcontractor. We're accrediting your laboratory so that when somebody hires you to do work, you are actually able to provide that service. And of course, there are times when subcon- I know this isn't a subcontracting episode, but I'm going a little deep into this. The, the subcontractor can certainly be part of your process, but we can't accredit your laboratory for the work that they are carrying out. That makes sense. Yeah, makes same sense. with consultants. The consultant can't be, can't have a PE on call. And this is where, it, this is always the issue because ASTM C1077 requires a full-time PE, as does E329, unless the laboratory is a quality control laboratory. They also have to have their technical director that maintains a PE license. So what happens with a lot of laboratories is they may not have a PE as their technical director to begin with. And they say, oh, how are we going to meet this requirement? We have to conform to this. Uh, Well, let's hire this consultant to act as our PE and stamp things when we need it. That's not valid for accreditation. Uh, And we find that people are doing that. And then we have to communicate to them that that's not permitted. There's often confusion from the laboratory's perspective because they don't really understand the requirement or where it comes from. Plus, it's actually not a requirement of R18 and ASHTO accreditation in general. It's just specific to ASTM C1077 and ASTM E329. So it gets a little hairy, but the requirement is that that person has to be the full-time technical director and an employee of the laboratory. I think sometimes like mentally it gets a little screwed up where you know it says that, that the technical director has to be a full-time employee and have a PE. And what the laboratory may hear is we need to assign a PE to be the technical director. That's the other way around. It's we want to look at the people that hold those positions and evaluate their credentials, not find someone with credentials and jam them into that slot on paper so that it appears as if you're in conformance. That's a common misconception. And I think it's just something that happens. It's usually not an intentional way to get around a requirement, but That's certainly how it appears when I review those situations. So for people listening, we have a document on our website and the AASHTO accreditation policy and guidance document on multi-site personnel. So if you have questions about what we're talking about or want more details about what the policy actually is for multi-site and off-site personnel, we do have that available on our website. Yeah, let me dig into that a little bit. Last year, we ended up updating some of our policy and guidance documents and forms on the website related to this issue. And I'm going to touch on another aspect of the program, and that's how we handle customer feedback. Because this form and this policy and guidance document on multi-site personnel evolved from feedback we got from one of our customers. So we had a quality analyst that was was digging into the situation, trying to figure out what was going on. And the laboratory manager was not real happy about all of the questions that were being asked and and felt that they were being unfairly treated and were wondering if we do this with everybody and if we do, why isn't there a standard policy and a standard form? And I talked to him and and I said, you know, I understand. I understand what you're saying. And and I can see why you'd ask that because you feel like 
the person's really digging in uh, hard on this. It, but I said, this is really standard for us and we do this a lot of times. And so that began the process of me working on this policy that is outwardly facing and updating the form. And the form that we came up with last year has actually been revised a few times since we started implementing it because we continued to get feedback from people uh, and we continued to see how they used the form and we realized that it could be improved. So the one we have now on the website for multi-site and off-site personnel is in pretty good shape. That's not to say that that's the last revision. Nothing is ever done as far as I'm concerned. That's one thing I learned about quality in general. It is never done. There's no end. You're always continually improving. Things change. You think you did your best. And this goes probably with anything you do, right? Like you, you always want to do your best because your best now is not your best any year from now. You'll improve. You'll figure new things out. Other information will come to, come to you and you can make those improvements. So that, like everything, is going to continue to evolve over time. But, but it, it was a great improvement as far as I'm concerned. I'm really happy that that customer took the time to explain that to me and express their dissatisfaction. It's usually a positive thing. I, you know, we get feedback all the time and, and sometimes it's, it's not positive. Sometimes it's just somebody doesn't like the outcome or doesn't like the requirement. But I'd say most of the time when we get, have customers that actually take the time to really express their feelings on how things have gone, we can usually take something out of that and make an improvement. We really appreciate that. Our quality manager, Tracy, would love to hear what you just said about how quality is <laughs> never, never really done on that. And I think there's a quote, do your best until you can do better or something like that. I don't know who said that, but I think I've seen that floating around the Internet somewhere. But as you were talking, something else popped in my head that the form. So if you do have if the laboratory does have a situation where they do have multi-site personnel, what do they have to do? What what is the actual requirement? I don't think we actually covered that yet. What do what are the steps that they need to take if a laboratory fits into this situation? Well, they need to explain what the arrangement is. So where is this person normally? Where are the other sites that they are working at or providing whatever that service is, whether it be technical direction, management, uh, supervision, or, or just technician testing? And how often are they at each one of those places? What do they do when they're there? What happens when they're not there? Uh, those are the kind of questions that we ask and we need to know. And then once we have that information, we can make a determination or, or the ATG chair makes the determination if we don't have a precedent for that situation already, or if it seems a little unusual, we'll make sure we send it to our oversight committee chair. But if it's something that's pretty standard, we'll approve it on our own if it meets the criteria that have already been established. So what's the difference between multi-site and off-site personnel? The difference is multi-site is you are working at multiple accredited sites, performing the same activities at, at multiple locations. Off-site is what happens when you have let's say a technical director has an office building that they normally report to, but that office building is not the location of the laboratory. So they are an offsite manager. So they re normally report to an office that, that is not the accredited lab, but they also provide technical direction or whatever their services to the laboratory location. And they have to explain how they do that, how often they go there, what they do when they're there, what they do when they're not there, that kind of stuff. So that that happens sometimes. That's that's I would say that is less common, but I will also say I have seen some people fill that form out 
where they're essentially asking us to approve their work from home policy, which I am not interested in doing. Like that is not, <laughs> that's not really what the form is all about is we realize that we're in a, a pandemic and, and sometimes people work from home where they didn't used to. And that's probably novel for them if they never did that before, but that's not what we're trying to approve. Uh, we realize that that is a normal situation these days with the pandemic going on. Uh, but we're more interested in what people are doing in a typical situation, which which we will hopefully be in very soon. Well, it's good that laboratories are thinking about the process of oversight while working from home, though. So even though they don't need to fill out that form, that is a good thing to think about for the laboratories as far as how quality to maintain the quality of your activities while working from home. It is. And, and, and I don't I don't mind that they do that, but I just want them to know that we don't have the authority to approve their work from home policy, <laughs> nor do we we want that unless that is how they plan to normally operate. I think we covered most of the common questions, but I don't actually get that many questions about this because I didn't know much about it except for what was on our website. So are there any questions I didn't ask or anything that you want to make sure that you convey about this multi-site or off-site personnel? Well, I didn't answer one of your questions completely uh, about all the different roles. Mm. So this is kind of a common thing in the world of asphalt mixture plants. So typically what happens is a company will have several plants in a small area and those plants will open when the project is closest to the one plant and then it'll close when there's no project close by and they'll kind of move everybody around to a couple different ones so sometimes those kind of plant laboratories need to get multiple sites approved and they have personnel that actually are shared among all of those sites so there are times when the technicians and supervisors and managers all have to go through the multi-site approval process. But we, we do have experience with that. We have There has been a precedent set for approval of that. There's only one kind of uh, confusing distinction is that when you have situations like that, there is always possibility that they could be operating all plants at once. So as far as the assessments are concerned, you know, the on-site or the remote assessments that go on, we want to have the personnel demonstrating those test methods to be varied as possible. We don't want to have one person do all of the bulk specific gravity testing at all that's all the sites. We want to have somebody else do it at the other ones. And generally our experience is that laboratories in these situations have enough personnel to be able to accommodate that. So they can say, okay, this person's going to run all the basic tests at this one. This one's going to run them all at this one, the, you know, A, B, C, D. All those different technicians are going to run those tests at the different sites so that that can be in conformance with our expectations uh, and they can also have the multi-site personnel situation approved uh, without violating that concern that we have about the assessments being uh, a good representation of what could happen if they had to operate all the plants at once. All right. The what you were just describing kind of popped in my head, and I know we did an episode on this already, but about mobile laboratories and temporary facilities. Is that this overlapped with that kind of, or are these really different things? Or is there a gray area where sometimes multi-site or off-site may turn into it's actually temporary or a mobile facility? It's part of it. You're, you're right to ask that question because generally the one thing that's true, I, I think it's been true every time we've had a temporary facility is that the management is the same, right? Because it's an offshoot of a main accredited laboratory. Typically the technical director is the same, the, the manager is the same or supervisor, however they identify the person. 
but then they'll take some of the technicians or one of the technicians that was normally in the laboratory and that one will be assigned to the project or you know however big it is it depends on how many people but we need to account for all that so if you have a situation like that we need to make sure that there's qualified personnel that allow the laboratories to conform to the requirements that they're trying to get so if they need certifications we'd make sure that everybody has certifications that needs them so if we had one person that we knew was working at the main laboratory and then they have a project where they had to put that person on that project we would make sure that the person that's at the site now you know if they had to hire somebody let's say it was a really small operation they only had one technician to begin with we would make sure that they still have a qualified or certified whatever the requirement is for the standards that they have person replacing that person in the main facility while that person went off to the temporary site facility so we'd be we'd be checking on all that and making sure that that's still valid but i, I want to reinforce the fact that when a laboratory is accredited for a standard that requires certifications of technicians every technician there has to be certified if those technicians are doing work that requires certification because you know sometimes they might have trainees that are doing stuff that's you know maybe for residential projects that don't require it and that's fine but anybody who's working on projects that require certification needs to have it okay i think you lost me somewhere in there but i think also for people that know what you're talking about they will understand what you just said um that was a shotgun blast of information it was i i am not gonna lie i think you'll think you lost me a little bit in there but from what i gathered is that the multi-site and off-site personnel requirement and the form that you need to fill out can be part of a larger picture of temporary and mobile facilities, but it's not necessarily. It can be of its own or it can be part of the larger picture. Is that what you said or no? Did I? That, that's not necessarily what I said, but that's that's correct. Okay. Uh, it, 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 <laughs> it, is, it is often part of a, another situation. And actually, if like if you look at the policy and guidance documents and you look at the other forms like the initial accreditation review form, the annual review form, uh, temporary site facility, relocation, all that stuff references the multi-site and off-site form and policy because that comes into play so often mm -hmm. that we want to make sure that laboratories are aware of it. So I think we've dive deep into this topic. We may have confused listeners more. I think I might actually be more confused than when I started, but I knew nothing when I started. Okay. So. Well, let's, can we, can we explore that to make sure <laughs> yes. that we have not confused? I, I mean, I think somebody in the situation, like at a laboratory would be saying, okay, I understand that now. That's what I'm thinking. I hope. Too. I think that too. And so I think maybe I'm just so far removed that I'm not sure. So do you want to do a succinct recap of what we talked about? And then maybe that will help. I don't know if I can. Uh, yeah, the multi-site and off-site situation is for when you have people who are carrying out their duties at more than one site, or they may be not at the central laboratory location all the time when they're carrying out their duties. So, so that's when these situations are relevant and they are this is all based on requirements of the ASHTO accreditation program. And uh, we realize that this is a situation and it's okay that this situation exists. So do not try to hide the situation from us because <laughs> we, we often have to say, it's okay, you can tell us. We're like, we're not trying to entrap you into some situation where you can't get accredited. We just want to have all the facts and we want to make sure you understand what your responsibilities are 
as an ASHTO accredited laboratory to carry them out in a way that's in conformance with the program requirements. One other thing I want to say about this that comes up sometimes is people often wonder why we care <laughs> if the person is on site. Uh, it's very hard to provide effective technical direction if you're never in the laboratory and you don't see what actually goes on. And it's a requirement for all the actual accredited laboratories to have management reviews every year. And the technical director is certainly part of the top management group. They have to be participating in those activities. I would say if we have a, uh, somebody presents something to us where they have presented a, a person with a PE license and said this person's technical director and yet we don't see their information on anything related to the laboratory, we're going to be very concerned that that is not valid information. So that person really has to be involved. Uh, if we find that situations have been approved where later we find out that person is not involved or that person is a uh, consultant or that person has been derelict in their duties and the laboratory is actually failing all the proficiency samples and getting a ton of nonconformities all the time, just not living up to their requirements, that approval can be revoked. So then we would say, okay, well, this was approved before. It's no longer approved because you have proven that it's not been effective. So either make some changes in how that person's carrying out those duties or hire somebody to be there on site full time to carry out those duties. Like one of those things has to happen if you're going to get accreditation for those standards again. Well, thank you very much for diving deep into this topic for us in this FAQ episode. Thanks. And I, if you have any other questions about this, you can reach out to me at any time. Uh, 240-575-8651 is my direct line. Email is bjohnson at ashtoresource.org. Or if you have any questions about the podcast or recommendations for upcoming episodes, please send us an email at podcast at ashtoresource.org. For other related news and content, check out Ashto Resources' Twitter feed or go to ashtoresource.org.